Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Everybody, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. I am Perrin, and I have with me two very, very, very special guests today. That's the indomitable Mark Webster and the tall Gail Breton. <laughs> How are you guys doing? <laughs> that I was mean, uh, a pretty buddy. extreme introdu- introduction, but pretty good. <laughs> good. Today we are going to be talking about something that probably our old school listeners will remember and some of our newer listeners may not really know about. And that is micro niche sites. Before we get started, if you want to check the show notes and all of the stuff we are talking about, links to the resources and the sites we're going to be referencing, you can go to authorityhacker.com forward slash micro hyphen niche hyphen sites. That's our topic today, micro niche sites. So to give you a really quick introduction, micro niche sites are how a lot of us started and they're kind of what they sound like, really small sites about more or less one thing. We're going to get into some deeper definitions, but back in the day in the stone age or golden age, depending on how you look at it, site building This was the predominant business model. Lots of people were building tiny little sites, but they were building tons and tons of them, like hundreds sometimes of these micro niche sites. And it's kind of how I started. It's what a penny shaved was. And we also know that some people are still doing it. And the reason we wanted to do this podcast was we see it coming back in some interesting ways. So you guys know we're all about this authority site model, building very large sites, they get tons of traffic. But on the other side of the coin are these micro niche sites. And not only do we see them coming back, but we also have found ourselves using some of the strategies as we are building authority sites. So we wanted to dive in, talk about micro niche sites, how they evolved, in the beginning, and then what they look like now themselves, but also as part of our authority site model. I think the first thing we should do is talk about definitions. So I'll do mine really quick first, because I think mine is not as in-depth as you guys' definitions. So real quick, when I think about a micro niche site, I think a lot of people assume that to be a micro niche site, it has to be small or has to make a small amount of money. And I really don't think so. Because like, especially as I was researching this podcast and finding current examples, I found some that look like they were doing pretty well, right? So I don't think it necessarily has to be small, although that's a common characteristic. I don't think it necessarily has to make a small amount of money, although that's a common characteristic of a micro niche site. What I think is the defining characteristic of a micro niche site is that they are only about one thing. So I would say that I would classify that as extremely tight relevance. That's like, you know, the what I would put in Webster's dictionary next to micro niche site. But what I mean by that is like my old site, A Penny Shaved, was only about razors and had like 15 articles and that was only 
that was the only thing on the site uh, for a long time anyway. So I would say that's my definition, but I know you guys have a little bit more nuanced definition. So Gail, why don't you walk me through what, what you think of when you think of a micro niche site? I'm mostly thinking about the business model and like the lifestyle of the builder and like kind of like what their priorities are, et cetera. And I think for me, the main difference is like authority sites, you kind of like ongoingly work on them to grow them and so on. Whereas these micro niche sites, you can just like build them and forget them and then rely on a passive income that they are producing. So I think that's kind of the attractive part of that model is that because you're so focused on one thing, then it's easy to establish yourself as the biggest one. And like I have some examples at the end of the podcast that I'll talk about. And then these sites, I mean, if the owner was not touching them for two years, they'd probably generate as much, if not sometimes more money two years later, unless some really big players start going after these niches. But even then, because they're so relevant, it kind of like makes it hard to beat them. So, and also I think in terms of business model, it's much more of a portfolio play. So you have more diversification of your revenue model, but also because you work on usually more sites, each site is a little bit more fragile and also growth can be slower when you get to the middle to end game. So like, you know, when you have an authority site that has like an email list and so on, then like launching a product can make six, sometimes seven figures a year extra in your business. Whereas because these micro niche sites tend to rely more on, you know, affiliate and ads, et cetera, then growth, like, you know, growing by six figures is, is a sizable amount of work. And it's, it's not that as easy to re- to do as we do with an authority site, basically. Mark, what would you say? It always kind of bothers me how people kind of use a lot of these terms in, interchangeably. Mm. I think the key thing is to to sort of t- take away is that there's not really any absolute definition of, of what it is and what it isn't, especially when we, we say, like, what's the difference between a micro niche site, a niche site, and an authority site? I mean, you ask 10 different people, you get 10 completely different opinions. Um, I think what you guys have both said is, is absolutely true in that, Micro niche sites tend to be extremely focused on a single product, single category. They tend to be very small sites. As Gail mentioned, not much upkeep, kind of set it and forget it. But that kind of leads on to a different sort of different way of categorizing them. And and, and that's in, not just in terms of how the sites are targeted and what categories are targeted towards, but rather the mentality and the philosophy of the people running them and how they treat them, what their goals are for those sites. And in the past, I feel that those things tended to be quite similar. So all five, 10 years ago, all micro niche sites would have a similar, I guess, philosophy. Whereas now, and some of the examples we'll, we'll, we'll talk about a little bit later, we're seeing some arguably micro niche sites, which, have more of a, an authority site mentality in terms of things like the quality and even stuff that's being updated to them as well. One other kind of nuance I'd like to add, aside from the fact that just to clarify, when Perrin says niche, I think that's like the the way it's said in American English, whereas in British right English way, it's yeah. niche. Yeah, I think it's actually, is it a French word originally, niche? Yeah, is that right, I, basically a niche is like a small house for your dog in the in a garden, you know? So it's like, it's basically a small house. And so it's kind of like, that's why it's kind of like something that's smaller, more defined, et cetera. Like, I mean, I don't know if it's French origin or anything, but that, that's what it means in French. 
All right, so uh, there's the, defini- the definitive answer. We should all start calling it niche site. Yeah. But no. Uh, <laughs> so the other thing I wanted, I did want to say though, is around where does a niche site end and a micro niche start? Micro niche site start. Mm. A lot of people tend to think of this in terms of absolutes. So it has to be one or it has to be the other. And if you have an urge to categorize things in an absolute manner, you may run into difficulties sort of processing some of the things we're, we're going to say here today. And the reason for that is because it's really, it's not a black and white thing. There's a lot of shades of gray in the middle. Arguably, there are many sites which can be classified as micro niche sites and as niche sites and potentially as authority sites. Now, we'll explain some of the nuances in a little bit, but a good example of how to think of this that that, that that I have is if you think of Homo sapiens, so that's like modern humans and the, I guess, generation of, we are before that, I think it was that Neanderthals. The diff, there there's are actually no, two what, different species, but yeah. Okay. Let's well, start the debate. <laughs> whatever. So the point in time in which Neanderthals stopped becoming Neanderthals and started becoming Homo sapiens. And I hope I've got my evolutionary biology That's right. That's completely wrong. Neanderthals <laughs> were killed by Homo sapiens, actually. Like, they were actually eradicated as a species. Okay, <laughs> fine. So, whatever came before Homo sapiens, can you enlighten us to what that was, Gail? I mean, Homo erectus. Homo erectus? I think it might be Homo erectus, yeah. Okay, so... When Homo erectus became Homo sapiens, that wasn't a single second in time when that change happened. If you go back to, you know, the 50,000, 100,000 years when that change happened, it was a very gradual thing. And and parts of the features which you start seeing in, in Homo sapiens started occurring gradually over time. So... It's only when you look back at it with like a lot of data that you can start categorizing one and the other. But if you're there and, and that point in time, it's, it's quite difficult to sort of separate things. So we probably confused you even further with that analogy. Like you took, uh, you took it from <laughs> me, right? Like that was mine and you just made it yours and it was even worse, right? <laughs> I do like this idea, though, of one site being able to fit all these different definitions because it can clarify the research and just acknowledging that can make it easier to understand some of what we're talking about. But I also like the idea of like the market evolving over time. And I always like to think of like sites themselves as living organisms. So like most people don't just build a site and set it and forget it, although that can be characteristic of the micro niche site model. But for a lot of people, Myself included, when I had what I would call a micro niche site, when I started making money, I recognized fairly quickly that one of the growth levers was to just add stuff to that site. So sites themselves can evolve, and I think the market also can evolve. I think what I'd like to do now is for you guys to enlighten me on what people were doing back in the day with micro niche sites. Because I got into this game like 2013, there were for sure still micro niche sites in 2013. I would classify what I was doing as a micro niche site. I know that wasn't the heyday of micro niche sites though. So back in like 2010, 2011, what were you guys seeing from these micro niche site builders in terms of portfolio? What were they doing and how did micro niche sites look? Did you guys see any? 
yeah, yeah. I mean, you need to recontextualize a lot because there was no Google Panda, so shit content was ranking. There was no Google Penguin, so nobody was being penalized for shit links. And exact match domains were really strong in Google. So if you had your keywords in your domain, then it was stronger than having a strong site many times, you know? So <laughs> you need to change the rule set that existed back then to even understand why it was such a, a popular thing. Like it was pretty frequent that you would just buy a domain name with the keyword and put a single page of content on it and rank for the keyword that's in the domain. Like that's how strong exact match domains used to be. And so, and also you could spam the hell out of your website with black hat world and wicked fire services that you would buy for like 30 bucks, 40 bucks. And not even that, it was, it was like the automated link building tools, like article marketing robot. Yeah. yeah. You could buy them one off, you know, kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's like 80 bucks and that was all your link building done forever. But you know, you know, back then you could literally just take someone's article, put it in an automatic content spinner, put the spun version in article marketing robot, blast it and rank with it, you know? So you've got, you've got to understand all these things. And like a, a penalty for links had never been heard of apart from like manual penalties for big brands buying links like JCPenney, et cetera. Like, this did not exist. So if you combine all these rules that existed back then, then you understand why it was so attractive to do because link building was basically all free. The co- content quality did not matter. All that mattered is, is the exact match domain available for this keyword that I'm trying to rank for? And as new trends emerged, you know, like, I don't know, like uh, some kind of like new laptop models and stuff like like anything that, that comes up and essentially builds search volume to a term that wasn't popular before was an opportunity to buy an exact match domain and essentially just run that. And because of the lack of barriers, it was so efficient that it actually did not make a lot of sense to build an authority site back then. It was it made more sense to own like a, a thousand of these domains, you know? Yeah, and there are a number of reasons for that. I think when you break down all the skills you need to learn and the processes you need to do to, to create like a tiny one-page micro-niche site versus all of the different uh, hats you need to wear if you're building like a huge authority site it's just so easy to to do the mic go the micro niche way so it was much easier to to do that a thousand times than put a thousand times of the work into building one authority site really we i think as seo people tend to be quite sort of systems minded and the idea of creating something simple, outsourcing it, scaling it is generally quite attractive to people. Also, you know, the the uh, sort of beginner end of the scale, I mean, a lot of people will have bought some kind of $9 ebook that shows you exactly how to do this. And that's great. That's possible to make something like that in an afternoon versus the authority site system in order to establish an authority site now it's a lot of learning that that you have to go through and so i think that was a big sort of drive for why back in the day these sites were so popular i also something that just came to me right now was and and i'm i'm not really sure how much of an effect this had but i don't really recall there being too much of a market for buying and selling these kind of sites back in the day i mean big brands like empire flippers and fe weren't really around there was flipper flipper um, was around that's it flipper, yeah and there was some forums as well where people were selling websites i mean you just wrote, wrote a post about this on the blog this week Perrin, but the i think the the value of of sites is has 
a lot higher now in terms of multiples than, than it was 10 years ago, nine years ago. Perhaps people were, weren't really thinking in terms of, you know, how big can I build this asset, but rather just how much money can I generate per month and how easily I, uh, can I do that? So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if that perhaps had some influence on it. Yeah. So if, um, tell me if I am following the basic line of reasoning here, Mark, because I, I think this rings true for me and it's not something I'd necessarily thought about before that because of the environment of SEO back then, micro niche sites were, weren't like a conscious decision of like some strategy that people were moving to, but instead they were just the next natural step and people took it because the barrier of entry was so low and it works still. Yeah, I think that's largely true. I think more than anything, the the reason those sites did not evolve into the, the bigger kind of a, as many at least big authority sites as you see today is because of difficulty in execution. And yeah, as you said, just what was working then in terms of ranking. Do you guys yeah, think- the return was so high. I mean, the return was really high on these things. It was not hard and the return was really high, like much higher because, you know, you could try to be, build a big site, but some idiot that buys an exact match domain would outrank you and just like spam more and just still beat you even though you built a better site. Yeah, the, the reason people were doing these automated link building things back then was because they absolutely worked. You had guys like Rand Fishkin preaching white hat and, you know, his mentality was so kind of abstract and not very actionable back then. It was like, build great content and they will come. But then you look at the first page of the search results and everyone on there is a you know, micro niche site <laughs> with a bunch of black hat links or whatever. So I mean, it was the case that you would go to Moscon and he'd listen to these talks and then at night at the bar, everyone would just sell links to each other, you know? <laughs> it was like, it was just pretty, pretty interesting environment. Yeah. Do you feel like... One of the reasons it works so well or one of the reasons that people could have so much success was because there were just fewer site builders and the competition overall was lower. So, you know, any good keyword, you could buy a variation of like an exact match domain and there was only three or four people you were really competing with. Do you feel like the level well, I, of competition played a factor? I think because of the amount of different spaces there were. So if you think of health as a niche, there are lots of health authority sites to compete with these days. But if you think of Omega Juicers as a niche, there weren't very many people in that space. So the number of competitors in each micro niche was was small. And sometimes there was no competitors, mm-hmm. in which case it was it was right for the taking. I was going to say, you've got to consider also the technical challenge that building a website was back then. There was no drag and drop builders. There was none of that. The themes were on WordPress were absolutely horrible. There was no one-click install for WordPress. Right? You had to actually upload it to the FTP, unpack the package, run the install from a special URL. It was like everything was much harder to execute, which means that, yeah, there was less people building websites as well because doing what you do today in a couple of clicks was actually a lot more work, you know? Yep. So we've kind of covered like how they worked in the past. I want to talk about like before we talk about some actual examples that people can go look at and decide for themselves whether it's a micro niche site or not, because I feel like there's going to be some debate there. I want to talk about what they look like now to us, because I did go through this phase in my own site building career where I knew what micro niche sites were. I felt like I built one. I kind of lost that. And then I got sucked into the seduction of authority sites, you know, where 
I was like, just one big site that I can really treat like a business. And I thought everybody should be doing it. And it seemed to me that everybody was moving that direction. And we were all trying to brand our sites and create, you know, broader authority sites and broader niches and stuff. Recently, though, I've started to kind of wise up to these, what I would call micro niche sites appearing in the SERPs. In some of these micro niche sites, even though they don't have very much content, certainly is not as much content as a standard authority site, they're crushing it. They seem to be getting lots of traffic and they seem to be well monetized. And I'm sure some of them are making really good money. So I will start us off here and I want to dive into why I feel like they are coming up. And then we can talk about maybe the place that they have in the future of site building, and then maybe a few ways that they might interact with this bigger authority site model. Because I think one of the mistakes people make is that, you know, you have to do one or the other. You either build micro niche sites or you build authority sites. And I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think you can do both, sometimes even on the same domain. But first, let's talk about why they might work. I think one of the main reasons for me is that relevance seems to be such a strong ranking factor. And this is a debate that is endlessly frustrating for me because it's so difficult to find good data. And I have found some data on it and the data has contradicted my view. It says that it seems to be a small ranking factor. But in my experience, when I'm looking at the SERPs, a lot of times I'm looking at keywords that big sites are ranking for, and there are these tiny little sites that don't have very much authority that are competing strongly with really big sites, um, especially you know for some of these like e-commerce keywords that I don't think an affiliate site should be ranking for. And the affiliate site might have 50 articles on it, and it might have like 50 links, and it's number three for a really big keyword that's bringing in many thousands of sessions a month or whatever. So in my experience, I think relevance is a really important ranking factor now. And one of the ways, and we just did a podcast on this, and we can link it to you in the show notes. One of the ways small sites can beat big sites is to have really, really, really tight relevance. And we talked about that at length in the podcast. You can check it out if you want to. But not only is it just a way a small site can beat a big site, I think it's probably one of the most efficient ways. And I think people are realizing that. So instead of starting, for example, just a site on the outdoors, outdoor activities, I think people have tried and failed enough times to know that if you start a broad site, you just seem to need so much more authority to succeed. And if you start a niche site, you seem to need so many fewer links to succeed. So I think my experience is lining up with that of lots of site builders and people are starting to realize that the nichier you get, the easier time you have ranking. So I think that's one of the ways micro niche sites are starting to, or one of the reasons rather that micro niche sites are starting to I mean, reappear. When you were doing hip hop, wasn't there a guy that was only focused on dog food with like lower authority than you, just beating you on most keywords? Or like, I think there was that <laughs> happened, no? Yeah, well, it, it was like a it, it was like a neck and neck race actually, because and and we're okay. going to talk about this in a little bit, but hip pup when it started was ninety percent dog food. So we had about the same authority and we were going neck and neck and we were number one and number two for like all of these different dog food keywords. And then as I started to build out more stuff, he would 
beat me on some. And that's one of the main reasons I started looking into this question of relevance because I couldn't figure out why he was beating me. And the only solution in my view was that his site was about dog food and nothing else. So I do think it's one of the reasons. It's kind of yeah. frustrating that there's no data, but I do think that's... Uh, I mean, I, I agree with you. And that's how we build the, the three-stage system for the authority sites as well. I mean, now if you look at the way we do it in the authority site system, we tend to focus on like a micro niche within the broader niche of the domain. So we kind of use this philosophy of like having a lot of content tied together in terms of topic to actually rank the site, the, the site in early stages. And it's proven to work really well on not only the case study site that we have in the authority site system, but also on health ambition. So now it's like we tend to release content hubs all together for that exact same reason. And we'll talk a little bit more about this later, I'm sure. And on the new site that we started uh, end of last year as well, like it's like we basically built a single category just to increase the relevance of it at the beginning where it's low authority. So we're, we're playing on relevance here and the results have been really, really good. So I believe you on the, on the relevance and the fact that the tighter the site is, the better the results in early stages slash low authority when your domain is low authority. Now, I, when you get a lot of links like on health emission, we, we can afford to like go broader. I'm not 100% sure on the truth in this. And the reason is because I think there may be some other things going on here, mm -hmm. which affect people more from a psychological perspective. So if, if I say to you, okay, go start a site about health, you know, it's a huge thing to kind of wrap your head around. And, you know, there's lots of stuff to do and lots of research to do. And th th there's like a whole chunk of work up front a massive chunk of work up front before you even start, right? Whereas if you're just focused on something really small, which only has, you know, 20 or 50 or something potential keywords, it's a lot easier to kind of think in those terms and 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 kind of keep everything in your head and 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 get it done. So I'm wondering if there's not at least an element of when people can kind of grasp the whole thing they're working on, they actually get more done. And versus if they starting in like a bigger niche and going really broad, there's like so much to think about that they actually end up maybe procrastinating or just a lack of focus and actually, you know, understanding topics and producing quality content, something like that. Yeah, but in the case of Perry, it doesn't work, right? Because he was, he already had all this content and he started losing rankings when he diversified, you know? What do you mean? Well, the content was already there, so he didn't procrastinate because the content was there already. He was competing on these keywords, and then as he diversified, he actually started losing some of the battles, you know? Yeah. Okay, so so, so you're saying that the even though he had more content, that he performed worse because it was less focused? Maybe. I don't know. I it's think like, the uh, size is really small, but... I do think it's true that in that one case, and you know, you always have to be careful if you're talking about just one case, like we can't extrapolate into the market as a whole. But in that one case, my content was the same and I was building out the site, adding more content. It was just less relevant to dog food and I was building a lot more links. This is like when I was cutting my teeth in link building, I was really excited about it. I was building quite a few links to here, pup. So not only was the site getting bigger, but the authority was getting quite a bit stronger really quickly, but I was losing rankings. I was gaining rankings, traffic, and revenue overall, but I was losing rankings in that one specific area where the site had been for such a long time. 
I mean, like, you know, just to play a devil's advocate, there's many reasons why that mm-hmm. could have occurred. You know, could be more people coming into the space, into the industry, producing newer, fresher content about dog food, and yours was kind of aging a bit. Or copycats. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, or copycats. Hey, um, I didn't go on Brian Jean's blog, you know. You did. <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, I. Well, he he revealed his website on Backlinko for a case study, so that didn't help. Open the floodgates, yeah. Ah, uh, okay. So I would say that two out of the three of us think that relevance is a pretty strong ranking factor. That could be one of the reasons we're seeing a micro niche site rebirth. What do you guys feel like are maybe some of the other possible reasons. Well, I mean, just kind of what I said, like it's much easier to get your, get your head around it. Yeah. And then once you, once you've kind of done, or I guess more, it's like an accessibility thing. So there are many more people starting websites these days, but of course there's a lot of people who know about dog food or who know about specific kind of dog say, but who don't want to start a general pet site because it's not really their passion. Like maybe they have their own own pet there or something like that. So I think when you see people starting websites that don't really have a, let's say, heavy commercial vision for it, even if you know they are trying, trying to uh, make some money, they tend to focus on something smaller that, as I said, you can kind of get your, get your head around it. So, I mean, maybe that could be, that could be a reason. Yeah, I think yeah. also... And this is is going to be predicated on my theory that relevance is a strong ranking factor. But if it is, I think one of the primary incentives for going nichier is that you need way fewer links to succeed and people just hate link building. Not only is it one more thing to learn, I think there are strong psychological aversions people have to link building. And if relevance does help you rank in the way that I feel like I have seen it, then it would be a strong incentive to that guy who has tried link building. He's sent maybe two or three or 4,000 emails. He hasn't seen any results. He's just frustrated. It's a solution for that guy to, instead of going broader and trying to build a whole bunch of authority with a quote unquote authority site to just go a little bit nichier and to do that multiple times. I think that could be a huge reason. And I think it's especially the case in some of the examples we're going to talk about in just a little bit. Yeah, I think for beginners who perhaps haven't done this before and who are worried about that side of things and who your first inclination when you're starting your first site is, does this work? And, you know, you always hear people talking about competition, competition analysis and how to find low competition keywords. And and then it's a natural inclination to kind of validate the concept of a website ranking uh, if you have no experience on it by going for lower competition keywords in order to see that kind of tangible results and yeah, validate your idea. Yeah. What do you think would be maybe another reason that we're seeing more micro niche sites nowadays? I mean, it's just, I agree with everything that was said. Basically it's just easier. It's a good way to start. And I think on a long, long time ago on the niche pursuits podcast, when you were still doing it, you had that listen, that reader that was like uh, Claire something that was only building sites and not building any links and finding decent success. So I, I suspect that she was also following that model. I remember, I think she did it just after me, actually. And I, I was listening to you guys every episode back then. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's just easy. But I also think it's a, it's a great way to start a website and make money early. Yeah. And then in the view of making a bigger site later, I'm actually preparing like a, a new webinar on starting stage one sites only. It's going to be a free webinar. So like anyone that listens to this will be able to join. And I talk about this. I'm like, well, the, the goal of your first site ever 
is to buy your time back so that you can actually spend 100% of your working time working on your own projects and not on other people's stuff. Yeah. And I feel that these focusing on the small niche, and that's why I said like the stage one of the authority site building is basically building a micro niche on a broader domain works really well. And, and, and it's something that people have been following. I also feel like some people have taken, I, I mean, I feel like a, a micro niche site now is definitely very different from a micro niche site that we were talking about at the beginning of the episode. Like it, it's inspired a lot. I mean, it's very similar to what we do in early stages. It's just that we branch out later when the site grows. But yeah, I think a lot of the, these micro niche sites that we might be mentioning, they, the one thing that differentiates them from an early stage authority site is their branding. So usually they have like the, the domain name is very focused on that one category. Or as we tend to prefer broader domain names so that we can actually add multiple categories under one roof later, you know? Yeah. And one more thing we have in the notes here. I don't know who wrote this. I suspect it was Mark, but it's not something I had thought about is that quality is harder to master than quantity. So whoever wrote that? Yeah, that was me. Like I, I kind of alluded this to, towards this before. Making a site which is kind of decent or, or fairly good is pretty easy to be honest the the 80 20 rule kind of applies here so you know if you're making i'm talking specifically about content quality here so if you're making content that's 20 percent of the effort gets you 80 percent of of the way but in order to get from 80 percent to 100 percent where you know you're the world leader best content ever type type thing it it, that actually takes 80 percent of the effort and i mean this is just a I forget the word, but that's not like a hard and fast rule, but something like that. Um, And because it's so much more effort to take it from good to great, so few people do it. So it becomes a much more attractive proposition for people to just repeat what they did five times than put five times the effort into one site in order to get a little bit more results. And I had another stupid analogy about wow leveling and how mm-hmm. I used to have seven or eight characters between level 20 mm-hmm. and level 40 and none past level 50. Gail, you'll love that one as well, I know. <laughs> but I mean... Let's go speak to like 0.3% of the audience, but go ahead, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, the point is people tend to lock in a little bit of success and then try and repeat that many times as opposed to push through the really difficult, challenging part to make a sort of world-class, true industry-leading... But I I think there's also self-confidence, right? Most people don't see themselves as like a huge leader, etc. And it's like they just don't visualize it, they don't push it, etc. And it's kind of like, oh, I'm going to make another analogy here. Here we go, analogy land today. It's like, it's the same reason why a lot of girls don't go for science Well, in terms of of career and so on. Not because they're worse, they tend to be better, but because... They don't project themselves as scientists and the, it's so, it's, it seems elitist and machist, et cetera. And they don't go after it. And I feel a lot of people like they, maybe it's an inner game thing. You know, people don't see themselves as becoming that big player in the industry. And therefore they're like, well, it's like, I'll be happy if I get a few uh, decent sites and like I'm kind of like in the crowd doing okay and not pushing for that super high level of quality, you know? Yeah. I do think with this question of quality, there also is an element of people just sucking at it. Like, I'm not going to name any names, but we've seen quite a few. No names. We had enough drama last week. Please, please. (laughs) But, you know, like I've seen like these websites that are doing okay. They're maybe making $1,000 a month, but they're like neon green and they're about like cast iron skillets or like knife sharpeners or whatever. And 
when they try to grow these sites that don't look good, the content is C plus at best and the, there's just diminishing returns on the effort. And so it starts to make more sense to just start a new site because they don't see the return on the site that they want to grow because the quality is just not there. And I don't think that's a problem necessarily in the authority hacker community. I think people in the authority hacker community are especially inspiring in terms of like content quality, but I have seen it in other places where people have tried to grow sites and they don't understand why it's not working. And when I look at the site, I'm like, oh, you know, like it takes five seconds to see that this is not a high quality site. So those are some of the reasons maybe that we're seeing a rebirth of them and We've covered a lot. Just, I actually have another thing to add. We haven't really talked about it. Could be down to a cost thing as well. You know, in order to reach a fairly decent level of quality, you you still need to invest quite a bit of money in, in or your own time if you're writing it yourself in content. You know, there's there's tools costs. There's uh, maybe a bit of design here and there, although it's nothing crazy. But if you're trying to do that at a space where you may need like you know 400 articles to cover the the niche, then Maybe people are a bit put off by that and they think, well, you know, I have a few thousand dollars budget. I'm just going to write these 30 articles and, and be done with it. And that'll be my, my site done. So I'm not sure. Maybe there's something playing into it there as well. Yeah, I mean, spending a lot of money in business is also something that it's like personally I had to learn. As like, you know, we were making a lot more money. We could spend a lot more, but like I, I've always been always afraid of like reinvesting and pushing things, etc. And it's something I see with a lot of people, even though like even though they are doing okay and so on, investing thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in what you're doing, even though you make them, just feels scary. It feels more natural to be like, oh, like I made some money, let's just save it up and uh, and like keep going with what I'm doing. It's working. I don't need to push it harder, you know? Yeah, should have invested all in cryptos, eh? <laughs> well, <laughs> well no, not going into that either. I can feel the drama coming too. I, I, it's, it's kind of like a, we have to be careful with what we say now. Some people, some people don't like what you we say. You never so. know. Let's move on uh, to some examples here because we've kind of hashed out the theory and I know there's some gray, some gray area. I'd love to hear what you guys think in the comments, but we also want to give you some of our favorite micro niche sites so that you can go look at them and see kind of what we're talking about, maybe decide for yourself. So I'm going to start us off with a couple of examples. The first two are going to be cop-outs because they're mine. And then I'll give you what I think is maybe one of the purest examples out there of a micro niche site today. First two examples I would say are just my own sites, A Penny Shaved and A Here and Here Pup. A Penny Shaved got all the way up to about $1,300 a month with 15 articles and maybe 15 or 20 referring domains. And it was only about razors. So it was only about that one thing. It had very little content on it. There are very few links and they were not real links. They were PBNs, which, you know, you guys know how I feel about those. And it earned. a month. I would classify that as a micro niche site. I tried to do other stuff with it. It didn't work. So I was a victim of that quality at that point too. Herepup I think is also a micro niche site, or at least it was when it started. So when I started Herepup, and you guys probably know the story by now, but I wrote 60,000 words. It was all about dog food. And when I started really earning money with Herepup, I only built 15 links from one infographic campaign. And I think I got up to right around $1,000 a month or so with the initial dog food content and about 15 links. So I would classify that here, pup, when it started as a micro niche site that I then grew into an authority site. 
But maybe the purest example, probably my favorite, if I think about micro niche sites and what they look like today, is one that's actually been around for quite a while. And we've talked about it in various places on our blog because we all just kind of know it. It's a site 50EM, so like 50 and then the letters em.com. It's a site, I think it has 15 pages. It compares email marketing software. So it's Entreport and Infusionsoft is like the main one. And they go after these little tiny versus keywords. So it'll be like Entreport versus Infusionsoft. It's been around for five years now. And it's had, there was like a spike at the beginning. But for the most part, it's earned the same like thousand visitors a month forever. And it seems to be probably going to continue. So fun fact, this was actually not entirely, but this was part of the inspiration behind starting Authority Hacker in the first place. Really? I remember yeah. yeah, Dale found this site when back when we had our agency and was like, holy shit, this site's doing really well. Look at look at the rankings. We could do this. Yeah. <laughs> so And we uh, still haven't written the reviews <laughs> for these two tools. Right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, what so you guys give me some other examples that you like that you think are micro niche sites working today. Yeah, I mean, like, it's no secret. I've been saying it in the past that I'm, like, renovating a place in Budapest right now. And so I had to do the very glamorous, I had the very glamorous task, sorry, of picking toilets for my new place. And so, and uh, my toilets are not very big, so I needed a compact toilet. So I started to Google best compact toilets, etc. And I, I learned that site called pickatoilet.com, which is actually incredibly detailed for a site talking about toilets. It has 176 articles, believe it or not, because uh, they review single items as well as pick the best toilet for different cases. You know, like uh, they have like composting toilets, they have, you know, toilets for minivans and stuff like that. So, but they only talk about toilets and flushing system. But the, the crazy part about this website is it gets almost 100,000 visitors per month just talking about toilets. And uh, because I see they have, I mean, they're mostly monetizing with Amazon, but like this site definitely is like in a four-figure realm, I believe. Oh, yeah. Maybe like, like I don't know, like two, three, maybe two, three to 8K per month. It's hard to tell exactly, but probably in, uh, around that, maybe more because these are like expensive items. Yeah, I would, say, I would say closer to five figures if I was going to guess. Yeah, uh, so I mean, it's hard to tell, right? Because we don't have the stats, but given the traffic they get, it's it's really cool. And they do exactly what we say. They focus on a single item, but they also take elements of authority websites in the sense that, you know, the micro niche sites we talked about earlier, they had very few pages and the content tended to be crap. Whereas here, it's like, it's actually like pretty decent content and it's clean, you know? So they, they, they focused on the micro niche aspect but the level of quality that they have is definitely on par with a lot of authority sites that we build and we uh, teach people to build. So I think it's a it's a cool example. Mark, do you have any? I no, have, I don't. I, have, uh, I mean, <laughs> I have more. I, I, you guys wrote all of these on the list. What, what I would say is that for most of them, I wouldn't actually have classified them as micro niche sites. I would say these are niche sites. Like pick a toilet. Mm. For me, that's a niche site. 176 pages, whatever. Uh, yeah, you know, it's about a single topic. If it was, I'm just looking at the site here, best-sanfilo-toilets.info. Yeah. And, you know, there was four Sanfilo toilets on there and a much worse 
design and currently is on there, then I would probably uh, associate that as more of a sure. micro niche site. Yeah, there's definitely some gray area. I think some of the other ones. All right, it wasn't the micro niche site. We'll wrap it up. Thank you, Mark. See you later, guys. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like. All right, here's, here, oh, are, here are two more. One that I've always liked is Coffee Maker Picks. It's got about 100 articles now. It used to have way less than that. It used to be, I think, like 15 or 20 or 40 articles, only about coffee makers. It seems to have been recently penalized. However, for a long time, it was getting 100,000 visits a month, according to Ahrefs. And Ahrefs is usually about 50% of real traffic. So we can kind of safely assume that it was quite a bit more. It was only about coffee makers, really simple site, nicely designed for sure. It may not fit Mark's very rigid and overbearing and unreasonable definition of micro niche sites. But yeah, definitely a niche site. I'm kidding, Mark. And the best crossbow source, that's one we talk about all the time, is one that I would classify as a micro niche site. This guy's popping to our comments and he's a reader and stuff. And that's uh, really cool. And uh, we use his site as an example of a successful stage one site pretty often. But this site started talking about only crossbows and it still only does talk about crossbows. I think where this might diverge from what a lot of us would classify as like a micro niche site is probably the content quality because the content quality is really good. There's lots of original charts and data and stuff. Um, so this might be more in the niche site part of the spectrum, but it's definitely on that side closer to micro niche site than it is to authority site. And maybe my last example is this new site. Well, that, that's not true because we literally <laughs> use this as an example of a stage one authority site in the authority site system so i think this is probably a best one of those examples where it can absolutely check any of those three boxes yeah, i agree you're so, reading everything Mark. <laughs> no i agree <laughs> i agree it's, it's it would be possible if i was writing an article about micro niche sites niche sites or authority sites to use this as an example for any one of those i agree yeah yeah I think I have one that might feel a little bit more Mark's definition, and it's called just codelessdrillreviews.com. Yeah. So you, you do like the domain, right, Mark? Does that pass your definition? Yeah, I think so. In terms of categorization or category targeting, I think that's like far enough down the hierarchy yeah. to qualify. So the site has 82 pages. So it's like, it's not tiny. 82 pages is still quite a bit of work, right? But what's amazing is for 82 pages, they have 177,000 visitors per month, according to SimilarWeb. So same thing, that site must be making quite decent money as well. And uh, it's not like drills are being updated all the time. So it's like, they can really, and, and a lot of their pages are like 300 words, you know? Yeah. So it's a very cool example of like, it's someone just picking one category, just nailing it but like he's ranking for everything and as a result he's getting a lot of traffic a lot of people for some reason are looking for codeless drills and like you know when you own a site like that it's really nice like you basically get a monthly paycheck and you don't have any work to do i mm -hmm. believe so it's like it's also something that like this kind of site it makes me think that like you know it's like when you're working even full-time on your site or when time becomes an issue then building this kind of site is kind of interesting in the sense that you can increase your income without increasing your staff management etc and also buying these kind of sites is definitely a way to expand your portfolio when you're 
struggling to stretch for human resources, you know? Totally. I think one last example is a site that I have built recently. So it's one of my newer sites. I'm not going to tell you guys the domain, obviously. I've learned my lesson, but... But we'll put it in the show notes so you guys can know. <laughs> yeah, right. It's a site that I want to grow into an authority site. And to start, not only have I written about one product only or you know one category of product, I've written about one type of product in that category. So there are only about 30 pages on that now. We have had some pretty successful link building campaigns, so there's quite a few links pointing to it. But overall, there's only about 30 pages and there are about one type of product in one category. And that's earning about 500 visits a day and it's climbing pretty quickly. So I would say that I specifically adopted a micro niche site strategy for this new site that I was building and it has worked out. Um, So very similar to sort of our stage one theorizing. Do you want to talk about any of the other examples, Gil, or should we wrap it up? I think we should wrap up. It's like, the, I mean, yeah, I'll give you the example. The last example I had, I guess people would be wanting it now that you mentioned it. Uh, I had multivitaminguide.org. So same thing, one single category. It did broaden up in terms of the content. So you can definitely see they're trying to change it into an authority site because like the blog content has like, oh, why kids that take omega-3 are smarter and stuff like that. So it's a little bit broadened up. Uh, I, I suspect they do that for link building. This has 199 pages as well, so but it used to only be like 20 pages, this site, for a long, long time. And it gets 163,000 visitors per month, according to SimilarWeb. But they do rank for a lot of commercial keywords. They have uh, an interesting lead gen system, etc. So it's a little bit different because like, they're more lead gen than they are like uh, affiliate. But it's an interesting one to look at as well. And it's kind of like interesting to look at this one because it's you can see they're trying to transition it from a niche site to a more authority site. The problem is their branding is terrible to be an authority site. That's why I like stage one authority sites because you can run them like a niche site, get the early benefits like a niche site, but you put it on a domain that's actually that can grow a lot more. Like you know, like health ambition that we have, we can just put anything on there. It doesn't look out of place, you know. So yeah, it's it's kind of interesting to observe this site for this reason. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. Let us know what you think about micro niche sites in the comments. Let us know how wrong we were, or at least how wrong Mark was. <laughs> if you want to look at the show. Especially about evolution. Especially yeah. about evolution and Warcraft. Let Mark know in the comments. If you want to look at the show notes and all of the stuff that we've talked about and to get some links so that you can check it out for yourself, that URL is authorityhacker.com forward slash micro hyphen niche hyphen sites. Thank you so much for joining us and we will catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training.